starting in verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill, called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise the Lord in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus, we just thank you for being faithful. Uh, Just... With the calling, Lord, just with the plan. And, and we know you did it with a joyful heart. You didn't do it grudgingly. It was actually uh, you and the Father. It was, it was your idea. And you joyfully just came um, to show us the Father's love and the way in this world that will reign forever for all eternity. And we just thank you um, for your selflessness for your humility, modeling love and what it truly looks like, and just really revealing to us just this, in our world, it's, it's really upside down thinking. And we just thank you for it. And I pray that you just bless and, and minister and speak to our hearts this morning as we just talk about you, King of kings, Lord of lords, supreme on the throne, always in control. So, Father, just speak to our hearts this morning as we unpack your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, you know, Palm Sunday, part of the message is gods and kings. Palm Sunday is, um, they're really, if you had to look through the Bible and you had to find a spot where Jesus welcomed and encouraged people to celebrate his presence, you're not going to find too many. Like, really none. Except for this one. Palm Sunday's a big one. It's, it's Jesus allowed it, he encouraged it, and he said, listen, if they don't do it, then the rocks are going to cry out. And there's kind of a small part of me that, that's, I almost wish they didn't, because I'd like to see the rocks cry out on what that looks like. What does that even sound like? I don't know. 
but yeah, I guess. I don't know what that would sound like. So I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing day. And, and it's also, there's these contrasting emotions of where everybody's celebrating, but yet you find Jesus crying, right? He's weeping. And um, I don't know, it, and this is his last week. And so the idea is he's, he's coming into Jerusalem during Passover, which I'll talk about in a minute why that's significant. He's coming into Jerusalem in Passover, and by the end of the week, all these people are climbing trees and waving palms and laying their cloaks down and putting the palms down. They're just yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And so all that is just kind of, it's, it's definitely intriguing to me as far as these contrasting emotions of the day, of everybody celebrating Jesus crying, and then by the end of the week, really they just all turned on him. And for what reason, and how, and how come, and what's going on? I mentioned that Passover was significant. You know, Passover, I came home the other day, and uh, Jaren, Jaren ran, greet me at the door. He said, Dad, did you see what we did today? I said, you uh, literally just walked in the door, you know. He's like, no, I didn't see anything. Like, I, I got to go to the bathroom, I didn't see anything. And uh, he's like, oh, come over here. So he comes and takes me in the other room. And uh, sure enough, on the back door, you can see they had these pieces of paper all uh, one on the top frame, on the sides, all scribbled in red marker. And he said, Dad, do you know what that is? I said, I do know what that is. He says, do you know what that is? He said, yeah. He goes, that's for Passover. I said, yeah. I said, that's exactly what that's for. I said, why are you doing that now? He said, well, Dad, it's Easter. And that happened during Passover. You know? So part of like, you know, their homeschool lesson that they did that day with Julie um, had to do with the Passover and what was going on. And and at the heart of the Passover story was God was delivering them. He was delivering them. They're being redeemed. They were under control, under oppression, um, just a bad control for 400 years. It's a really long time. So you don't get the pyramids. You don't get some of the amazing wonders that we have without the Hebrews as slaves. They built those on their backs in a really wrong way. And they prayed for years and years, like I said, 400 years. And then God said, listen, I heard their prayers. I'm going to respond for whatever reason. He chose at that time to respond 400 and something years later. And now in the middle of that, he's going to redeem them and take them out. And sort of the last straw that needs to be broken so the Pharaoh can let them go is this Passover, the angel of death. Can you imagine in heaven there's an angel of death? He's going to pass through the land. And he's going he's gonna to kill the firstborn and send a strong message. There's been so many warnings that this is going to come. This is going to happen. And Pharaoh's like, no, no, no. I'm a God. No, no. I'm the God. No, no, no. And so the last one's pretty severe. And so God tells Moses, he said, hey, listen. The angel of death won't pass over your house because you're Jewish. He's going to pass over your house if you're Jewish and you believe in the way that you show that you believe is if you paint your frame of your doorposts with the uh, blood of the Lamb, and it's just going to pass right over. So at the heart of Passover is this strong deliverance story of how they were dominated and oppressed by a nation. Dominated and oppressed, and then set free miraculously by God. So now, you get to Palm Sunday, It's Passover. There's a huge buzz about Jesus the Messiah. 
And many people believe and think that he is going to set them free from another oppressive rule of the Romans. So now it's starting to make sense if you put yourself in the sandals of the Hebrews. You're like, oh, God is doing it again. He's doing it. And He's doing it with like Jesus. And they're waving palm branches. They're all super excited. It's like, oh, they did the, He did Passover before in Egypt and set us free. And now, Jesus is going to set us free and establish and set up His kingdom here. And we'll be in that. And the unfortunate and heartbreaking part about it is that they were sort of on it, but they definitely really missed it. Because the reality is, is that his kingdom could not be brought on the earth and have Rome be taken over and set up Jesus as king. In fact, if that happened, if that happened, that would have hijacked and sabotaged God's perfect plan for salvation for all of mankind, for all of humanity. It would have ruined it. So they were right. A king is coming. A king is coming down the streets. You should praise him and honor and worship him. But he's not going to quite do what you think he's going to do. They had this expectation idea that was even biblically based about God and what he might do, but they were a little off. Does anybody know anything about thinking you know something about God, but you were kind of off? (laughs) This is a story that I can relate to. I can understand. I can understand Jesus, and I can understand the Hebrews. And sometimes, like, your hopes can be so high, and it's like... and, And... Listen, I fully believe that the Bible says put your hopes sky high. Believe in Jesus. Love always hopes. The difficulty is when we have certain expectations that maybe are not completely aligned with the narrative that God has. You see what I'm saying? For us to be able to have a clear and coherent understanding of the narrative of what God is doing and what is unfolding, that is one of the most priceless things that we can walk around and possess as Christ followers. And that's so often one of the hardest things for us to develop and carry with us is just have clarity of vision as far as what God is doing and what He's saying. And then we find ourselves like, is God saying this? Is he saying that? Is he going here? Is he doing this? And so, right, that's where the battle comes in. So I can understand all of it. And I can understand Jesus, his heart just breaking. Because as we just read, he's saying, man, if only they were able to see that peace has come to them. Because in, well, almost 70 years, the Romans are going to come into their temple. They're going to ransack everything. It's going to be really bad. And he's able to look forward and see that. And it's just breaking his heart. And it's breaking his heart because he knows that's the way this thing is going to unfold. Because if he just says, I'm, I, the king is here, we're going to set up shop right now, it's actually going to ruin the plan of salvation that he and the Father had conspired to, to do the, in the first place. 
So do you see the tension and the struggles and all the different dynamics of all the people involved? I hope you do. So Palm Sunday carries like a lot with it. And so I wanted to pull out just a couple of things um, that I hope encourage your hearts. Um, I want to go just verse by verse on a couple things that Joanna read. And then I want to pull out a couple of highlights. So yeah, so Luke 19, verse 28 says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, (coughs) those are a couple of spots that he would actually go quite often. And Bethany was a place where he'd actually, remember Lazarus, he rose from the dead? Mary and Martha. That was kind of like his sort of like little retreat area in Bethany. He'd hang out with that family, got along well with them. It was just, it was a little bit of a home base for them. So as he was going up, he saw Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. (laughs) That's not like a formula to go through life and take things and say the Lord needs it. (laughs) You can see how some people might get that idea or impression. The Lord needs this. Cadillac Escalade, really nice. The Lord needs this. You know, they're never going to take like, not nice things, right? But this is the setup that was there. And, and there's a lot of debate. Did they know? Did Jesus already prior talk to them? Did he not? I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say. But the Bible does say something interesting, which we're going to read on and see. Verse 32. It says, Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. <laughs> Seemed to be enough. Right, in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Palm Sunday's in all of it. The triumphal entry is what it's referred to. It's in all the gospels. It's pretty rare to ha- actually have one event and all four, but this one is. And there's no evidence that there was a difficult, as soon as they said, the Lord needs it, okay. Verse 34, they replied, uh, the Lord needs it. Verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, threw their uh, cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Right when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And so Sal uh, read a passage this morning from Zechariah chapter 9. And you can turn there if you want. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Nine nine. And so the reason why that's significant, because you might be thinking, well, why a donkey? Like, that's kind of a... What? Gods and kings. Who, who's who's going to do a presidential inauguration with, like, a Ford Escort? It's like one, like, hoopty ride going down. Who's going to do that? Like, you want to send a message with when you show up. There's a lot of pomp. There's a lot of... You know, stuff, it's elaborate, there's lights, there's famous people, there's, there's just lots of money. It's, 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 you're intended to create a scene where people see and are like, oh, they're important. 
right? That's the whole idea of sort of having a king come, and we do it, presidents, I mean, leaders, that's just kind of what we know, that's the way things go. You sort of let people know your importance by the amount of, of a show that you can have. And here you got the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who created the universe, who created the donkey, and all the people there. He says, you know what? I'll ride in on a little mule. One that's never been ridden. That's the way I'm going to show up. There's, there's something interesting about that. It's intriguing. It's very humble. It's, it's, it's going on there. Zechariah 9.9 gives us a little bit of a clue. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You know what's interesting about that is that Jesus was not primarily concerned with completely convincing and showing everyone that he is the king and judge of the universe. He was not primarily concerned with delivering that message with awe and splendor and amazingness. He was primarily concerned with making sure that what God the Father had spoken prophetically 400, 500 years earlier came true exactly the way God the Father said it should get done. No matter how it made him look. So Jesus' thought was, hey, listen, this is a time. I'm going to embrace like, the celebration. It's going to happen. But in the middle of it, I'm not going to be looking for myself to get be puffed up. I'm going to be looking for the truth of God to be further enhanced and greater revealed. That's what men and women of God, that's, what, that's where their focus, that's where their hearts are. They're not looking to increase their stage or their platform. They're tireless, tirelessly spending themselves and praying and seeking the Lord's heart and saying, Father, how can you be increased with what you're bringing through my life? And so often, because we live in a culture where it's just so entertainment-driven and so much Facebook and so much Twitter and so much of whatever everybody's seeing, that sometimes we get caught up in, you know, how does it make us look? And, you know, we just... We get just really in awe by people and who they are and just get starstruck too easily and all this stuff. And Jesus' primary concern is, hey, listen, what is my assignment and how can it be true to what the Father has called me to do and what he's called me to do? Man, that's where we got to be. That's where our hearts got to be. It's like, hey, listen, I created the whole universe. I got to ride on a mule? Not a problem. I'm going to ride on a mule. I'm riding on a mule. And everyone's going to be celebrating. When he goes down, right, verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest, or Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're quoting verses and phrases from Psalm 118. God, save us, save us. And they're thinking, man, establish your throne and your government. Let's do it. You're rolling in like this now. We're setting it up. And so it's nice that they're giving God praise and honor, but unfortunately they're not able to see the full picture and entire narrative. 
So Jesus goes, some of the teachers in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. Like I said, I kind of wish that happened. Verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Who did the hiding? Right? Who, who did the hiding? And I remember reading that for the first time, you know, being like a teenager or so, and being like, what? what? Why, would that, why would they? God's in control. Why would he want them to be hidden from this thing? It's a fair question, and I think a good one. And those are questions that we should ask, you know, when we read. The reality is, God certainly let the hiding happen. He could have stopped it, right? The reality is, if, if maybe they were able to see more clearly who he was, I mean, really see who he was, like I said before, previously, it would have completely sabotaged the plan of salvation. They would have tried to think of some other way, some other option. You know how we get God tells us to do or, 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 you know, he gives us something to go on and go with and we try and bargain and negotiate and create other scenarios and like, well, what if I do this and then I can do that and what if I do... And now he's just saying, no. Go pray for that person. Right? Go just whatever it is. Go do it. Well, I don't know. Maybe next week when I kind of feel like I'm more... I didn't sleep a lot last night and then like, you know, I don't know, I got a fight with somebody today and I, I'm not really in the right mindset and... We just think of these things. And the Spirit of the, the, the Lord is like, hey, listen, go. Just go. Just go do it. And then Jesus, right, we said he's crying. As he approached Jerusalem, saw the city, he wept over and said, if you even you had only known on this day would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes that days will come upon you and enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. It's just a sad sight. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Ugh. It's just heartbreaking, right? It's just heartbreaking. So that's what he's crying about, you know? He's just, it's just heartbreaking. And so there's just two quick takeaways that I just wanted to share with you. Um, one is, I, I, it just moves my heart. I totally appreciate when I can see Jesus being worshipped, even if they didn't get what they were doing, mentally they didn't have it all figured out, they were still worshipping and giving Him praise, glory and honor. I just love seeing that. It's just such a powerful thing. Turn to Revelations 19, okay? I bet you didn't think you were going there on a Palm Sunday. Revelation 19. I just want to read some stuff for you there. I want to give you an idea. I just want to give you an idea, you know. We've said it before here, it's been said a lot. When you're famous in heaven, like God knows, He just knows some of His saints. Like we've talked about Daniel before. Man, just what an access that the prophet Daniel had to when he prayed. Heaven sent out archangels to deliver the message of the prayer. He has, a pro- he has a prominent place in heaven just in prayer. Archangels, two of them, got sent to make sure that the answer to his prayer got delivered to him. 
you know, there's just some people that are going to be, and we, wanna, we don't know them now. They're not in the news. They're not on social media. They're completely famous in heaven. And, I, you know, and there might also be also some that are famous here and you know, be a name in heaven. But I'm telling you, there's going to be some amazingly just crowned people in heaven that everyone around the throne of the Father would be like, that was a faithful saint. Man, unbelievable. And so many times like we think that you know, being faithful in the Lord's eyes and just carrying out what He calls us to do, it's going to earn us some sort of like spotlight. And a lot of people do it, honestly, just for the spotlight. And how sad is that, right? It's just all jacked up. It was never about us to be like that. So I wanted to read you a passage. Yeah, he comes in on a mule on planet Earth. But I just wanted to show you what it looks like in heaven just for a minute. Because sometimes that helps. To talk about the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and what it's like in heaven all day, every day. Because that's a powerful picture. So I'm just going to read for you, okay? There's not going to be much like dialogue here. I'm just gonna, I just wanna, you want you just to take it in. <coughs> Since after this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, all you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride, that's us, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at His feet to worship Him. But He said to me, Do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Just a little bit further. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation is the only book where it says, if you just read this, 
No commentary needed. You just read this. You will be blessed. It's the only book in the Bible that says that. Doesn't mean that you know you shouldn't learn what it says and with the context and the people. But I'm saying there's something uniquely powerful about re- just just reading, just shutting things off, just sitting and putting our minds where heaven is, and having the Spirit just bring an awakening and just bring clarity to what the truth of this thing really is. It's powerful. It's really powerful. So he wants to come on a mule. Go ahead. You see what it's like in heaven. It's powerful. It's powerful. So it's always so good and so healthy for us as individuals, sons and daughters, man, to give him praise, glory, honor, worship, and just come before his throne. It's happening all the time anyways for all time. And the amazing thing is, is when we choose to engage there, and if we, choo- if we choose to come out of this, you know, and when we choose to allow ourselves to come into His presence, it brings, brings a perspective, it brings healing, it just brings a release of so many things that the Spirit inside of us is dying and crying out for. And so I just hope from all of that, that you can just feel the Spirit's tug on your heart to say, listen, it's so important to be before the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and just worship. It's just so important. Okay. Number two here, okay? <clears throat> I love um, how Jesus is able to see <clears throat> You know, he rides in and he's just weeping, you know, Jerusalem. He's able to see the bigger picture. He's not caught up in the hype. He's not caught up in the celebration of people over who he is. His self-esteem and self-worth is just not caught up in it if they're liking me today and they're celebrating me. And I'm so grateful that it wasn't. Because on Friday and Thursday, when they're crucify him, crucify him. I'm so glad that emotionally he was healthy and stable because the Spirit had just done a work inside of him that he had allowed to say, no, this is part of the plan. In fact, the Spirit made it true to my heart that they're going to be celebrating me one minute and cursing me out the next. I can't let that deter me from where the Father's calling me to be. Because too often we just get pulled in these directions. You know, when people are liking us, oh, yeah, oh, oh. Things are rolling. And when, when they're not, oh, persecution and things are horrible and they don't like me. And I just, yeah. What did I do wrong and why would God let this happen? I, we become way too self, just like self-focused. We're just called to live out the nature and just bring what the heaven just brings into our hearts and respond out of that. And so I'm very grateful that Jesus modeled perfectly what it's like to not have ourselves too closely tied to the opinions and celebrations of others. I do not think, and what I'm not saying, is that we then should sort of be, how can I say, kind of rude and obnoxious to the rest of the world 
and kind of have a hard edge. They're like, well, I don't care what you think about me anyways. You know, like I'm not, that's not, well, that's not it either. But I think all of us know something about when what other people think or say about us matters too much. It, it, I think you know what I'm saying. There's just places and there's times in our life and our minds and our hearts where it's like, it matters too much. Like we're, we're just striving to get it. Um, it means too much when we finally do. And then if we don't, it, it, it sets us into a bad thought pattern. Right? There's just these things that they end up there. Just through life, they end up there. And the reality is, the good news is, they don't stay there with the presence of the Holy Spirit living in a believer. They don't stay there. They might have maybe even primary influence for a long time over what we think and then how we behave. But the amazing good news and truth is that when the Spirit of God comes inside and lives inside of a person and takes up residence, it starts changing all of that from the inside out. And just, those, just that bondage and that, those chains of just how we used to function, how we used to respond, it just starts falling off. It just starts falling off. And it's not, it's not, like, a, it's not like a graph, you know, where we just continue to get better, better, better. Like, it's, it's like this. Right? And we think we're going backwards sometimes because sometimes we think oh, we're really making good progress and it's like, I'm going backwards now. This is actually getting worse. How could I be getting worse? The reality is, you know, you're, you're, unless you're unrepentant, you know, I'm really proud and, and just doing things the wrong way on that front, okay, then yes, you're getting worse. But if you're maintaining repentance and being humble before the Lord and including others in a humble, vulnerable way, then you're doing better. The Lord is just revealing more layers of things that are going to be problematic for you and for me when He wants to work through our lives. So it's not a thing to shame us and condemn us and make us feel horrible. It's a thing where He says, hey, listen, these are still problematic. We, we got to like get after this. So embrace what I'm doing. Don't curl up in a closet and isolate yourself and start being depressed. Trust in my faithfulness and my good heart. Because I'll carry the heavy weight, but you got a partner. <clears throat> so those two things I just really enjoy and love about Palm Sunday. The recognition, celebration of his kingship and his lordship, I love it. Love it. And man, when on this on this side for us, to be I love to be around people that it's it's familiar territory. It's familiar territory and they recognize and just honor his lordship and his kingship in their lives. There's too much of, yeah, I believe that. I think, I think about that. Like, I can mentally sort of get with that. There's too much of that. There's not enough of celebration and submission of his kingship and his lordship and we just Ah, we just know where to go with that and what that looks like. There's some families that know how to praise, honor, and worship the Lord, regardless of the season. And there's other families that just don't. They might know what they're supposed to believe and what they're supposed to do, but they're still trying to figure out how to actually do that. 
That doesn't mean they should feel condemned about that. That means they should run to the king and just pour themselves out because he will help show the way. It's not hopeless, right? It's not like, hey, some got to figure it out and some don't. Hey, so we'll go figure it out, the ones that don't. That's not the way that works. And the bigger picture, I'll tell you what, doesn't come easy seeing the bigger picture and the greater narrative of what the Father's doing. That doesn't come natural. <laughs> if, that's a, if that's new for you, <laughs> right, it doesn't come natural at all. It comes through fasting, comes through prayer, comes through just being faithful. But it's one of the most um, freeing things in our lives. We can really feel confident that we hear the Lord's voice and um, we can sense His Spirit is moving and leading and we move forward in that. And listen, I'm going to give you the other side. The way that you figure that out, there's been things in my life I thought I was really confident that it was the Lord and it completely was not. And I've said like things to people like, yeah, I think this is the Lord. I really thought it was. We have to be humble in that, though. It's really important. Some people would just say stubborn on it. Say, I don't know. I mean, you've got to give some room, like you feel like some, the Lord spoke something on your heart. I mean, listen, Zachariah's prophecy of the king riding on a mule took like 500 years. So the Lord might speak some things to our hearts and in our lives. It just might take a while for it to happen. That's true, too. But it's important that we're humble. You know, it's really important that we're humble. So I hope those two things encourage your heart. Palm Sunday is pretty packed with a lot of stuff. And I really hope this week, you know, that you find some time to get yourself into the Gospels. Just reading about Jesus and his life. Just this last week leading up to Easter. And ask for the Lord just to prepare your heart and reveal even more why his resurrection power is worth celebrating. And it's not wrong for you to ask the Father to reveal in new ways, to show in new ways His resurrection power in your life. That's not wrong. That's not selfish. That's a good thing. I'd want my kids to come and ask me for big things. Okay? Alrighty. Let's pass out these elements for communion. So Josh, you want to play that song low up there? Thanks. So just hold on to the elements. We'll take them together. Thanks, brother.